Hello, I'm Neil Moody, editorial hairstylist, YouTuber, Instagrammer, Facebooker, interviewer, etc. And welcome to the second series of my In Bed with Neil Moody podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified about any new episodes. In series one, I interviewed friends and work colleagues from the fashion and beauty industry who are entrepreneurial and also think outside the box. In this series two, I'm expanding outside of my industry a little more and I'm subtitling this series, Turning a Corner. For this episode 10 of series two, I'm joined by the wonderful makeup artist and young entrepreneur, Zoe Taylor. Born and raised in London, Zoe went from studying art and design at college to doing a course on beauty therapy, which is where her love of makeup really began. After leaving beauty therapy school, she eventually went on to assisting one of the biggest makeup artists in the world before going it alone, and has since forged a career as one of the leading makeup artists in the UK and internationally. She's done all this whilst having two children, plus she's now gone on to be an ambassador for one of the leading makeup brands in the world. Oh, and I mustn't forget to mention, she also launched her own products last year. All of this, and she's only 39 years old. So let's go and meet the lovely Zoe, where you can hear her story so far and be inspired. We are live. Ooh. <laughs> Hi, Zoe. Hi, Neil. <laughs> it's lovely to have you here. Thank you so much. Come over to my little flat. Oh, I love it. My little hub. <laughs> so first off, well, I wanted to ask you where you grew up. But my first question is, and I noticed this just online, that you are Zoe with two dots over the E. Is there a reason for that? No, there isn't really a reason for that. I think that when I was born, my parents had a really big argument about what my name was going to be. And my name was going to be Georgiana. And that was it. And then... When my mum went to register my name, she just changed it to Zoe. <laughs> so she just was like, I'm doing what I want. Yes, she yeah. chose what she wanted and she put the dots on. Okay. Because I think the dots are umlauts and they are German and we have no German ancestry at all. Oh, right. So it's nothing to do with ancestry or anything? No, I think she was just a bit cross with my dad and right. took matters into her own hand and thought they probably looked quite pretty. <laughs> Yeah. I'll have two. What are they called? Umlats. Umlats, yeah. Umlats. Oh, cool. Mm. Okay. Well, that's settled that one. Yeah. Sorry, it wasn't more exciting. (laughs) Would you like to be in a Georgiana? I really like the name Georgiana. Do you? Yes, I really like that name. My middle name is Georgina. Mm. And my mum obviously put that in because she did feel some sort of remorse at the moment where she was putting my name in. (laughs) A bit like, oh, hang on. (laughs) I think so, yes. But I did really want to be called Georgiana as I grew up and realised that was actually an option. Right. But I'm quite pleased with my name. It means the gift of life. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm. Suits you. Thanks very Zoe. much. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine calling you Georgiana now, but that's because mm. I've only known you as a Zoe. Yes. So. You know, it's interesting. You know, my, I was meant to be Neil John Moody, and they forgot to put John on the birth certificate. <laughs> yeah, when it was written. So it never happened. It's funny, isn't it? Mm. And then... I said to my parents, well, couldn't you just change it? They went, you're not allowed to once it's written. Well, no, you couldn't then. I don't know if you can now, but then like, once it was written, it was done. So, because John's was my dad's name. So, anyway, quite like being Neil Moody. It's a bit like Kate Moss. It is just Neil like Moody. Kate Moss, yeah. So, you're, yeah. <laughs> Zoe Taylor. I don't really use my, my Georgina much. No. 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 So, where did you grow up then? Um, I grew up in London. I grew Whereabouts? up in Roehampton. We grew up, I've got to, I've just got to tell you about the name, the last bit about the name Georgina. Oh, my sister's going to kill me. <laughs> she had this thing about the name Georgina. Right. And so when my parents said that they were going to call me Georgiana, she went mental and was like, you can't do that because it's a fat girl's name. 
And I don't know whether... <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know whether that was... I'm assuming your sister's older than you. My sister's older than me, yeah. yeah. And she's seven years older than me. Right. And, yeah, I don't know whether that pushed my mum to change it or, like, what, what the deal was, but it was then put into oh, okay. a middle name, yeah. If there's any fat Georgianas out there, we really apologise. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so you grew up in Roehampton. I grew up in Roehampton in southwest London. Yeah, yeah. And it's basically a bit like no one knows where Roehampton is. And it was kind of even felt even further out of London than it does now. It's just past Putney. Mm. And I grew up in a house that was amazing and decrepit and kind of falling down and had holes in the windows and parents refused to ever put the heating on and people would come into the house and my mum would give them a coat. That was really, that was very normal. Yeah. Um, Why was that? I don't, because the house was really big and my parents really couldn't quite afford to actually manage the heating bills, I guess. Right. And it was just a really incredible place to grow up with a big Mm. garden and I had an older brother and sister and it was really, really wonderful. My my mum was a stay-at-home mum and then worked in the evenings and my dad was a printer. Mm. It was a really magical place to live because it felt really kind of like open and clean and there was a big park nearby. And what was the park? Uh, Putney Heath. Putney Heath, mm. yeah. Oh, I know Putney Heath. Yeah. It's lovely, right? It's so nice. Yeah. So beautiful. And yeah, I made some really good friends that lived around there that are still really good friends of mine. Mm. It was really nice. But you're the youngest. Yeah. What's it like being the youngest? I think you can get away with everything, can't you? <laughs> yeah. The path's already been sort of walked before you yeah. get there. I think also, I'm the youngest, only out of two, but the parents are a bit more relaxed. Yeah, I think so. And also, my brother and sister were really naughty. Right. So, they were kind of pinned their hopes on me, I think, a bit. <laughs> <laughs> God, no pressure. No, I know. I had no idea of this, of course, because mm. they were a lot older than me. My sister was seven years older than me, and my brother was six years older than me. Mm. I f- it was a bit like being... a kind of an only child because they were so they were in a completely different part of their life when I was seven my sister was 14 and getting up to all sorts of trouble and Mm. it was really different it was kind of the best of both worlds I was sort of an only child and then also had this great brother and sister Mm. so you all got on yeah we all got on Mm. yeah did they look after you a lot no no No. I think quite convinced about that no no. (laughs) I think that my brother definitely looked after me. I think my sister did until a certain point, and mm. then they it was over. I right. was just like, yeah, they were pretty tough on me. Mm. In the best possible way, you know. And so how was school? How did you fare at school? I was really artistic at school and not terribly academic, which is kind of probably quite obvious by my career choice. <laughs> I spent my primary school years sort of winning a lot of art awards and things oh. like that. And I think the school and my parents were quite excited by the prospect of actually having... An artistic daughter. Yeah, I mean, amazing. And so I had a really lovely time at primary school. And then I think a mixture of the fact that I was quite artistic and also the fact that I was quite naughty Mm. meant that I went off to boarding school. Oh, you got sent off. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was definitely because I was really artistic, Neil. Um, (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And I went to this amazing boarding school which kind of made me very independent and created a whole new family environment with my friends but there were so many opportunities there and it really helped me to build my kind of artistic talent and the freedom to be able to do what you wanted and Mm. as I got older I had my own key for the art block and I could go anytime I wanted and there was no curfew where I had to leave 
So it would just be me and their painting. So you got nurtured. Yeah, it yeah. was really incredible. And my art teachers were incredibly supportive and helped me, <clears throat> you know, apply for when I went to Chelsea mm. Art College after school. They were very supportive of... What kind of boarding was it? Were you there for a term or were you there for a week, weekends off? Like... Well, I was there for... I hope my mum and dad don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> if they are, turn the sound down now. <laughs> My, I was a full-time boarder, which meant I was, you would have one time, one weekend off in in a half a term, mm. then you'd come back home for half term, then you'd have another weekend off. But for somehow I managed to wangle it with a school where I'd make them think I was going home, make my parents think I was at school, and actually I had this really good friend who lived really close to the school, and we'd go off to her house and kind of... Just have fun. Yeah, drink yeah. a lot of cider and have a lot of fun. <laughs> It was really fun. Oh, good. So it's like rebellious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was good. Yeah. Did you know what you wanted to be at that point growing up, though? Because you were so into art. I was, Had you sort yeah. of been like, were you like, oh, I want to do that? Or were you not sure? I do remember there being a moment in my life where, you know, when you have to choose your career, you go for like a careers talk. Yeah. And looking up makeup artist and thinking, oh, I really want to do that. But mm. it being a time where it wasn't really, you went to the BBC. And right. trained to do like TV and film. You didn't, there was, there was no kind of fashion. There was, mm. it just wasn't done. Like I think, you know, models used to do their own makeup. And actually, like at the beginning of your career, Neil, there was only a handful of people working in the industry and they mm. did everything. And so You're I, saying I'm old? No. <laughs> no. I'm joking. I'm just saying it was a different time. I really. <laughs> need to get so sensitive. <laughs> I d- did desperately want to be a makeup artist because I really wanted to continue being really creative. And I mm. couldn't really work out how to do that. I sort of put that in the back of my brain and thought, I don't really want to go and do, like, work in TV and film. Mm. I like the idea of prosthetics, but just, I'm just not sure about that. So I did have an idea, but then I did, I decided to do this this cookery course at school when I was just finishing school and decided I actually really wanted to be a chef. Oh, okay. It was like an, it's like a pro-leaf cookery course, and mm. it was introduced into schools and we were one of the first schools to have it and I was like oh yeah I love cooking I'm just going to do that is she the woman that now presents Bake Off no that's Mary Berry no but Mary Berry left oh yeah I'm not I don't watch it I think Prue Leaf took over from Mary Berry yeah good old Prue see each other you and me don't watch enough TV I don't watch any TV yeah I'm sure it's Prue Leaf now yeah Yeah. oh that's good Mm. so I did a cookery course with her really loved it and really felt my calling and was so excited and just really really loved it in the back of my mind I'm still doing you know all the makeup for all the plays at school and for my mm. friends and and for some reason I mean don't judge me Neil but I used to cut everyone's hair at school brilliant including my own so everybody had like a very short haircut with like <laughs> long at the front and very very short up the back and everyone used to let me cut it and they were like you're brilliant yeah it was until I cut someone's hair that was really curly oh <laughs> It was like a yeah. triangle situation. Disaster. It was a disaster. Anyway, so, you know, I still consider myself quite good at haircutting. Mm. Um, <laughs> others may think differently. <laughs> yes, so I left school and got a job working in a kitchen and thought that this was my... This was great. This was your destiny. It was my destiny and I loved it. It was such hard work and I had mm. a really... I would say my head chef was not that inspiring. She was quite aggressive, as I imagined a woman in that career would be because mm. it's mainly run by men isn't it yeah yeah and quite cross men most of the time <laughs> yeah apparently yeah yeah and so so I left that and then did did kind of sort of feel quite sad about it but had done my time there and 
had been a commie chef and getting up and like dealing mm. with chicken livers, I was definitely vegetarian. Did you then. leave because she made you feel disillusioned about it or just you were just suddenly a bit like, this isn't for me? I just couldn't, yeah, I couldn't do it anymore. The, mm. I mean, it's really, really hard work. Mm. And I think I was 17 and thought, you know, wow, this is really full on and I really want to do this, but I can't, like, if this is how it is, this is not how I want to do it. Yeah. You mm. know, it was, she just wasn't inspiring. You know, my best friend is now married to Michelin Star's chef and he is so inspiring. You mm. know, when you talk about food, it's like, wow, this is so <laughs> passionate. And I think yeah. back and I think she obviously, this head chef that I worked under mm, obviously didn't have that. Maybe she was just a bit over it all. I think she might have been, yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So then you went to Chelsea College of Art and Design, Yeah, right? I did, mm. yes. I was going to defer for a year and then I went into Chelsea instead. Right. And I really was too young when I went there. Okay. What yeah. made you say that? Because I wasn't really hard enough. Mm. I wasn't really tough enough. We'd been given so many opportunities at school and so much access to different materials and we'd learned so much and it was so inspiring and my art teachers was just the most inspiring people ever. And I went off to Chelsea and... I went to classes where it was a thing for the tutors just not to turn up because it was part of the process of becoming an artist, Neil, mm -hmm. where you don't get taught. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. So it's like this sort of, you know, conceptual idea of tuition. Yeah. And I was like, no, I just want to know the basics here. <laughs> Could you <laughs> like, like, teach me? <laughs> I just, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I, this, isn't this a college? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone, can someone help here? And I was kind of moving around different areas and wondering what I wanted to do. And I, I really wanted to do fashion. I really I wanted to ask you, actually, was it easy to get in there or not I really? think it was quite... I got in no problem, but I think mm. it, it was in demand, you know, like the mm. places were... Because it's quite well known, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's part of the Metropolitan School. It's part of, like, St. Martin's mm. and London College of Fashion and all of that. I went there and I do remember that I was studying 3D design and I decided I wanted to do fashion in that because the fashion tutor was really hardcore. Right. I remember saying I'd quite like to, I'd quite like to apply maybe to do something now at um, London College of Fashion and him saying to me, okay, well, the interviews are in three months and I'm being like, okay, so I just need to get my portfolio together and him saying to me, if you work day and night, Zoe, for three months, you still wouldn't have enough work to get there. And me being like... Oh, okay. Nice and encouraging. <laughs> he was so unencouraging. I do think sometimes the thing I've learned about life is, is that the people who are most encouraging are the people who have nothing to, who are actually genuinely really good at what mm. they do. Mm. And the people who aren't are so terrified, as a, terrified of losing their spot Yeah, that they are very, like, discouraging, can be quite mean, can be quite cruel. Mm. It's the people who aren't like that who is just will continually push you up. Yeah. Anyway, so I decided that wasn't really for me. So I thought, <laughs> oh, so I, so I sort of decided that I was going to train to be a. Um, but I was sort of working and supporting myself, working in bars and restaurants, right, okay. and pubs, and anything else that I could. And I was doing a temping job in Soho, and I decided that I just couldn't possibly answer the phone anymore and be mm. perky to everybody because I just people were just so rude. <laughs> And um, I, I mean, day one, I was like, I'm loving this receptionist job. But by day four, I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever done yeah. in my life. I have yeah. to be so smiley. I decided I wanted to train to be a beauty therapist, which I went off to do, which I did love. 
I really loved it. And where did you do that training? Was that at the Glauca Rossi? No, it was at, I did it at London College of Beauty Therapy. Oh, okay. I trained there. And in hindsight, it was a really old-fashioned approach Mm. because obviously technology is... We've gone so far now, Mm. you know, with lazy... I was learning very basic, you know, facial treatments and I think it stood me in really good stead in terms of what I do now and my sort of love of product development and I think it all stems from the same thing and, Mm. you know, I think I'm known for the skin that I can do and Mm. I do think it it was really good base to start at. Did that, finished that and decided that I was maybe going to try again with makeup and my tutor at the time said to me you'll never make it i think more encouragement yeah she said you'll never make it it's awful that industry and i was like okay and i happened to be going out with this guy at the time and his flatmate was a makeup artist and i was working as a kind of mobile therapist doing like nails and things Mm. like that i did really enjoy it actually and she said, would you come in to Glauca Rossi and be my demo model for the day because I'm in there tomorrow and it was a makeup artist called Linda Johansson. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, I, yeah, of course, yeah. I had nothing else to do. I hadn't got any nails booked in for that day. <laughs> and I went there. I walked in and I was so immediately immersed in this incredibly... You cool- like, I've arrived! I was literally yeah. like, I've, I was like... This is amazing. And I sat down and Linda's obviously an incredibly talented makeup artist. And she like did all these demos on me and all these incredibly excited students were, Mm. you know, wow, you know, God, this is great with all of this amazing makeup and all these colors and textures. I was like, this is great. Mm. So at the like morning break, I went straight upstairs to Glauca and I said, Glauca, Hi. Oh, so Glauca's a person? Glauca is a person. She used to be a makeup artist, I think, back in the day. Mm. And I said to Glauca, Glauca, please, uh, uh, do you have any spaces coming up? She said, we have one space and a course that's starting in two weeks' time. And I was like, sign me up now. (laughs) She was like, okay, but um, here's the paperwork and this is how much it's going to be. I literally almost fell off my chair. She said to me, I'm going to need a deposit to hold the space i was like yeah no problem yeah signing off this check give it to her i'm like okay fine i was like i can't wait i'm so excited to do this like walk down the stairs halfway down the stairs i'm like right i'm gonna call my mom bearing in mind up until this since the moment that i left school all through i mean i pay for myself through art college Mm. i pay for myself through beauty college everything right i've had a job since i left school yeah right Mm. i call my dad and i'm like dad um do you think that you could help me out? Because I've signed this check for quite a lot of money and I and I don't have it. It's going to bounce. <laughs> Brilliant. And he says, no, absolutely not. I've had enough of you asking me for money. I was like, I, um, um, yeah, I, haven't, I haven't actually. Yeah. You know, I'm not living at home. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm no, not a financial strain on him whatsoever at this point. And he says to me, no, I've just had enough. You need to really rethink your career path. Da, da, da. How on earth are you going to get a job as a makeup artist? Da, da, da. I was like, okay. I was like, great. Yep, I can hear what you're saying. Can I speak to mum? Yeah. Um, yeah. Pass me on to somebody who will listen. Yeah, because you're not <laughs> listening right now. I explained it to mum. I was like, listen, this is what's happened. And she was like, leave it to me. Two minutes later, she called me. She said, he will lend you the money, but he wants it back within a year. Okay. And it was so much money, Neil. Mm. I mean, it was so much money. I did the course. 
And Glauca said to me, oh, and by the way, you probably won't earn any money for two years. And I'm thinking, oh, Christ, oh, how am I going to pay this? Yeah, I've got to pay my dad back. And so I was like, oh, yeah, that's no problem. Of course, you know, I'll manage. And somehow through, through working, I worked in a shop, I worked in a bar, I worked in a restaurant, and I was working as a makeup artist. And it was a different time, you know. Mm. I left and immediately had an assisting job, worked with Linda, and had my agent within a, first agent within a year because mm. things were so different then and it wasn't such a sort of saturated market. And I did pay my dad back a mm. year to the day. And he tore up the cheque and was like, oh, don't worry about it. <gasps> oh, I mean, great, but you sort of want to punch him at the same time, don't like, you? You really like... stressed me out. I yeah, worked so hard. Yeah. And it was like... Bless them. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, it was amazing. He was like, put it back in, put it back in. And, you know... In a way, don't you think, like, when your parents do things like that, it's like a test to see... Because they kind of want to, they really want to support you. But at the same time, they're a bit like, I'm not just giving you the money. Because no. my dad was like that, very much like that, exactly the same. And then in the end, he'd go, no, don't worry about it. I don't want it back. And you'd be like, oh, it's stressing. I know, you know I know. so long to get that to you. I guess maybe it's a parent thing that you do. I don't know. Yeah, I think I probably caught him on a bad day because my dad's like enormously supportive, like mm. emotionally and also... I would say, you know, he's really helped me to get to where I want to be at. Mm. And he didn't really know what a makeup artist was until I worked with Charlotte and she mm. was at our house having a Sunday lunch. And he was, she was like, I don't think you understand what Zoe does for a living. This <laughs> is what it is. And then afterwards he was like, oh, mm. oh, I understand now. But I think actually it's an interesting point you made there. Our jobs aren't necessarily jobs that parents, regular parents would understand. I mean, I still have... People saying to me, what is it you do again exactly? <laughs> you know. You think they know by now, We Neil. think they know by now. But they still don't quite get it. You know, being a hairdresser, I'm meant to be in a salon, stood behind a chair every day. That's how you make your money as a hairdresser or a barber, you know, in whatever form it is. But I think it's the same with makeup, isn't it? Because it's a bit like, if you said to somebody I want to be a makeup artist, they imagine that you're going to be in a department store putting makeup yeah. on for a brand and say, trying to get people to buy the makeup. But I think if you just said to a regular run-of-the-mill person on the street when we make makeup, they'll go, what? And I think it's really good because actually what we do shows that there is another side to it that you can be successful at and have a very good career and do very well at it. You know what I mean? Financially and just generally uh, becoming, you know, a well-known name in the industry. I'm glad that we're having this conversation, actually, because I don't think it gets talked about enough about what the side of the work that we do. I agree. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. You know, I think people don't have a clue, really. Yeah. And they don't. I don't think people understand, like, exactly what you do and mm. how you do own your money. And Because mm. I've noticed, I don't know about you, but if I say I'm working for Vogue magazine... <laughs> Yes. That's when everybody thinks I'm making a fortune. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which obviously isn't the case because it's not about that. No, because it's an editorial, isn't it? Yeah, it's an editorial. And trying to get that across to people is very difficult. I mean, I remember my parents, when I... Obviously, I've been hairdressing since I was 16. Which my dad wasn't really that into, obviously, when I left school. Because I was quite academic and they wanted me to go on and do more education. I was like, fuck that. I'm not going back to school. And... I did hairdressing and obviously they were supportive in the end. But when I then said I wanted to go freelance and I'd got this opportunity, 
And I was saying to my dad, you know, sometimes you go to work and you don't get paid. He just looked at me and he was like, are you mad? That's basically what he said to me. Mm-hmm. I tried to explain to him. And he was like, no, Neil, it's, I'm, it, I just don't get it. Not getting it at all. Why are you leaving a very good job in the salon? You know what I mean? Brings in a regular wage, pay your bills, da, 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 keep a roof over your head. And then what was funny was my parents suddenly had a moment where their light bulb moment for me doing well as a freelancer was I was photographed with Pinch Charles. <laughs> in, How did that happen? For Vogue magazine. There was a big group of us actually and it was to support breast cancer, which I believe he was the patron of at the time. I don't know if he still is, but he um, was the patron and I was three people away from Prince Charles. But what my parents loved was that they could show their friends and be like, look, Neil, here, <laughs> three people yeah. away from Prince Charles. And his name's on the bottom and he's made it. Yeah, this is it. This, this is your is big it. moment. This is my big moment. Which, of course, for me, I was a bit like, oh, whatever. Yeah. But it's that kind of getting across to people what it is that we actually do is the hardest part, I think. I think the most interesting part is that... Yes, you know, some of the jobs that we do, we don't get paid for. Mm. Uh, but what I think I've learned is that this is the only industry where you're consistent in your creativity and your quality of work, regardless mm. of how much you're being paid for it. Mm. Whether it's a, a great big job or whatever, mm. it's, you give it the same amount of respect and love. Yeah, no, it's true, actually. Definitely. Anyway, slightly sidetracked. Sorry, there. Yes, yes, yes. No, that's all right. Yes. That was me who took us off on a bit of a long and windy no, road like to the that. left. <laughs> when you left, is it Glauca Rossi? Glauca Rossi. Yeah. yeah. Did you you go into assisting? What you said because you said you got an agent quite quick. I did. Yeah. So actually, I did do a little bit of assisting, but it was a very different place then. And I did a little bit of assisting, then got an agent quite quickly. The agency obviously no longer no exist no longer exists it took me i think 4 years of working on my own 4 or 5 years until i met charlotte right. tilbury mm-hmm. and that's when the assisting the shit got real <laughs> before Which was it, the shit hit the fan <laughs> no, no, no 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 of course it never hit the fan no but it was like this is the real deal yeah and suddenly you know the it was a different pressure and working with Charlotte was, I always thought I was quite efficient until I met her. I thought I was quite quick and efficient and on it. Mm. And then I met her and I realized that I needed to times that by a hundred. Right. To like be almost anywhere near as efficient as she is Mm. and as quick as she is. And it really was such a privilege to work with her. And I mean, I have a really great relationship with her and Mm. feel that she really changed and helped mould my career and has been deeply supportive. Mm. And I did love it. I mean, at at times I was, you know, when you're doing four shows a day during Fashion Week Mm. and you're doing it for a month, sometimes you can get a bit tired by the time Paris comes. But (laughs) (laughs) you ought to keep going. Oh, yeah. And it was an experience that I don't think you can really experience now because the Mm. industry's changed so much. Working so close to her at a time, you know, of her career that is very different from it is now. Obviously, she has her brand and... Because this was before her brand, wasn't it? So yeah. she was Charlotte Hilby, the makeup artist, freelance, working yeah. on shoots. Working yeah. on shoots and shows. Mm. You know, the brand didn't even exist then. We were working on her when she... I did a lot of product development and worked within that 
during the time that I worked with her as well mm. on her MyFace brand that went into Boots yeah, and the Tom Ford range. And mm-hmm. I mean, Charlotte Tilbury was always there in the background. You know, she was always, it was always at the back of everyone's mind. We were all kind of working on it sort of subconsciously as it mm. were. Yeah, I mean, she she was a few years off from launching it really. Mm. So how long did you work with her for? I think it was five years, five or oh, six years. Oh, wow. Seven. Yeah, but I started off working on her show team, yeah. which I loved and was terrified. The first time I worked with her, I was just so worried I wasn't going to be able to do what she wanted <laughs> and being quite, you know, petrified as we stood in line with our models, yeah. waiting for her to approve the makeup and the person in front of me, her saying, Charlotte saying, this isn't quite right. Can you change this and this? And me sweating, yeah. hoping that wasn't, she wasn't going to say that to me. And she said, oh, beautiful. So I me thinking, the whole world <laughs> is happening now. This is great. Yeah. And then I kind of then worked on her create and her creation days in her in her office to do the brands, and then ended up as her second assistant. Mm-hmm. I never was her first assistant because we kind of agreed that I didn't really need. Or she gave me the option. She said, "Would you like to uh, come and work with me for two or three years as my first assistant?" I don't think you need to. Okay. I think you probably would benefit from a year maximum, um, mm. but I need someone for longer. So it's up to you what you decide to do. And I was like, oh, well, she was like, you can do this. She was like, Zoe, you can do, you've got this. You can do this. You can go and do this. And if you need anything from me, I will always help you. Mm. You just call me if you're in any trouble or, you know, you need something, we need a contact, you need help. I'll be there for you. Great. And uh, it seemed like the best offer anyone had ever given me in my life. Mm. So I didn't become her first and I went off and did my own thing, which was... Great, because obviously I had her entire support behind me. And yeah. Had... So you just almost like dip in and out as yeah. and when you were needed. Kind exactly, of thing. yeah. Mm. Which was great. Mm. But yeah. still doing your own thing as well. Yeah. So yeah. it was sort of the best of both, mm. really. So when would you say was your first big break, as in like a makeup artist on your own? When was the moment where you went, oh, hang on, something's changed here? When I left Charlotte, I joined an agency called Jedroot, which mm-hmm. obviously isn't around anymore. And to be seen by them, you know, I was sitting amongst makeup artists like Laura Mercier and, you know, there was big makeup artists on the mm. roster and big hairstylists and it was global. Mm. And I couldn't really believe it. Kept thinking that someone was going to work it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it does was, this dream come real? Yeah, because yeah. it did feel like a dream and it felt like such an amazing privilege. And I was working with, suddenly I was working with people that I really found inspiring. Mm. I think my first big break, as it were, I mean, was probably when I was, when I went to Brazil and shot Rihanna for the cover of Vogue. And right. that was kind of mega. Pinch me moment. It really was. And I came, actually, I came back from Brazil and it had been this most extraordinary trip, trip where we'd flown there and... Um, I shot with the photographer Mariano Vivanco, who I adore. Mm. I went there, shot, came home, and it was a whirlwind trip, mm. as they always are. Yeah. And I loved it. I love Brazil. I love the people. I love the energy. It's just so special there, the land. And I came back, and I remember going to the agency and being like, God, you know what? I feel really sick. And my agent being like, really? I was like, yeah, I think I've got some kind of bug. She's like, you better sort that out because you've got a whole week of jobs or whatever. And mm. I was like, yeah, sure, sure. And then I suddenly, I went to the doctor and I was like, I don't feel very well. I've just been in Brazil, blah, blah, blah. Came back from like a couple of days ago. Can you just do some tests on me just to check I haven't got anything? Mm. And they did a couple of tests and they were like, "Mm, actually, you're three months pregnant. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. And so it was like a whole 
monumental moment in my career where I had yeah. reached a peak of like, yeah. I've just done Rihanna's makeup and she's the coolest person on this yeah. planet. For Vogue. For Vogue, which is like the coolest publication. And then I was like, and now I'm pregnant. And my mum was like, that's amazing, darling. Don't worry. Everything's going to be great. You carry on doing what you're doing. I'll help you look after the baby. Right. I was obviously, was with my husband. Mm. So, and we weren't married. And it was this sort of very magical time where all the stars were aligned and it was all happening and I just had to kind of roll with it. Mm. Did you panic a bit though as well? Because you bit, kind yeah. of think, God, my, I've just had a moment in my career that seems like it's going to elevate it for sure. But now I'm pregnant as well, which means you've got to take time out yeah. at some point to have the baby. <laughs> well, exactly. And be the mother and everything else. Yes, I was a bit worried. Yeah. I was a bit worried. And people were... I didn't tell anyone until I was mm. maybe six and a half months pregnant. I didn't really show. Mm. Yeah, I did find it quite challenging because there wasn't... I mean, Charlotte had had a baby and mm. she seemed all right, but obviously she was a slightly different <laughs> level, you know? Yeah. But because I'd been with her the whole of her pregnancy, I'd seen what is possible. She worked right up until she had that baby and, you know, she went back to work quite quickly afterwards and... You know, she everything's just like water off a duck's back with her. She mm. just gets on with it. And that was kind of quite encouraging and inspiring to be around. Uh, so I was a bit worried. And to be honest with you, I did lose some jobs because mm. when I told people I was pregnant, they just took options off. Mm. It was really black and white. But then there was other people who were like really celebrating it. Mm. I had a job with a Japanese hairstylist, Mari, and I remember her saying to me, mm. in Japan, it's really lucky to have a baby. It's like having a... Uh, like a like a good luck charm mm. and I I remember it changing my entire outlook on it all. entire yeah mm. totally thought of it differently and loved every minute of it and worked right up until the end was quite anxious I was probably going to give birth on set but really didn't want to do that now <laughs> yeah so, um, <laughs> of course didn't want to do that well not very relaxing is no it? well, they'd have been a bit like anyway the baby's out can you come and retouch yeah, <laughs> she needs a red lip now yeah <laughs> I went back to work quite quickly afterwards, and that was fine. You know? And your mum helped? My mum helped. You know, we managed it. Somehow I managed mm. it, and it was, in hindsight, don't know how I did it, but no. I did. And, you know, I've got two little girls now, and they're amazing. And I have to say, Zoe, since I've known you, I'm trying to think if you... Had you had both your children by the time I met you? I don't think you had, had No. I? Since I've known you, it's almost like having your kids... It's just been something that you've just done quietly. <laughs> Come on with it. And then you're back at work. Like, nothing actually happened. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm saying that, anybody that's listening, I think it's important to know that you are, I'm assuming that you're an amazing mother because you. I know that you're very involved with your kids and everything. But it's almost like you just sort of did that nonchalantly and then came back to work. Yes. It's like it's not, it's not like the kids suddenly became your whole being and no. makeup got put on hold. Right. Yeah, that's mm. exactly it. It was. I think I really do think it was because of Charlotte, because Charlotte mm. managed to achieve the unachievable. Yeah, she'd had a baby and it hadn't affected her career at all up until that point. You know, it is hard for women to take time out. I yeah. mean, I didn't take time out, but I have a career where well, we we have a career where you you might work every day for a week and then not and then work mm. one day for one week, and so it gives me the opportunity to spend time with my girls mm. and be there to take them to school or I took mm. them to school I'll pick them up today and I you know might not be able to do that tomorrow but I might be able to do it the next day and mm. the sort of flexibility that the industry gives you 
they mean everything to me, but also they shouldn't define me. Yeah. Because I don't want to lose the person that I am and the creativity that I can mm. that I can feel so much satisfaction from. Mm. But I find my children deeply inspiring. I bet. Because they keep you so grounded. Mm. You know, you can't... I remember when I shot the Burberry campaign, and I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then my daughter's like, oh, mummy, sorry, I need the toilet now. Or do you know what I mean? Or I've done this. Or do you know what this is? Or I've just vomited here. And you're just like, okay, so let's do this instead, right? Yeah. I, was, I was having a moment, but it's not happening anymore. <laughs> yeah. You're not having that moment with me. Oh, exactly. So, yeah. Or, you know, you're up five times a night. No one wants to hear that, do they? People just want to hear the positives in mm. life. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a juggle, but it's a... Absolute pleasure. I what does your imagine. husband do? He's a writer. He's right. a copywriter. He works mm. for a brand consultancy. So he's actually works in an office every day. But he he has much more regular hours than me. Mm. So you know, they're normal. Yeah, <laughs> they're not like normal days. Yeah, normal days. And you yeah. know, he doesn't often finish very very late. He, if so, he probably bring his work home so he can see the girls before bed. Right, right. But it feels like an important thing to be bringing up these really strong. Hmm. Quite sassy, Neil. Yeah. They are quite sassy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How old are they now? Uh, Delphi's two and Aya is five. She'll be six this year. Mm. Yeah. They are amazing. Yeah. They're quite extraordinary children, mm. you know? And I think, like you say, they keep you... Obviously, I don't have children, but they do keep you grounded. And it's like a, it's almost like a realisation check, isn't it, when you sort of... Totally. Because you, it doesn't matter what campaign you did or who you shot, they're not interested. No. They're no. just like, you're home, this is what I need from you. Yeah. You know what Come I mean? Come read me a story and get into bed with me. Yeah. Be my mom, basically. Yeah. Right? And that's, it's really nice to be able to do both because yeah. I think that as women, you can't, you can do any, any human can do anything they want. It's just yeah. whatever they choose to do. Mm. It's nice. It's nice to be able to go away on trips and come back and tell them stories about where I've been. And yeah, I went to Marrakesh before Christmas, and I came back with photographs. You know, they, the, all of the oranges mm. grow on the trees down the down the streets yeah. in Marrakesh. Yeah. And my daughter just couldn't believe it. What mm. on the streets? And I was like, yeah, just on the pavements. What? Yeah. And it's like these stories and filling her head full of ideas and Aww. you know. Mm. Have they shown any signs of being interested in makeup? Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my daughter is re- she has very blonde eyebrows and is very concerned they're so white. So spends a lot of time if she can get hold of a brown eyeliner, doing right. some sort of caterpillar car um, marks. They're beautifully shaped, but yeah. they're quite dark. But they are really into makeup. Mm. And I try not to let them have too much of it. No. And my friends shudder in horror when my little children pull out, you know, Chanel palettes to put on some eyeshadow. <laughs> it's what's there, isn't it? It's literally what's there. Yeah. You know, which they love and mm. spend a lot of time putting on lip gloss and stuff. Oh, yeah. bless them. So how would you describe your makeup? You touched on it a bit earlier. How would you, if somebody said to you, well, I am now, not yes. somebody, I'm doing it. How would you describe Zoe Taylor's makeup? I have an idea of what I think it is. Okay. Do you want me to tell you what I think? Yes. Because obviously I work with loads of makeup artists, so I see yes. them working a lot. And I get... I would say your work to me is absolutely flawless skin. Like, beyond flawless. You somehow seem to make skin that is it maybe, I don't know, a little off-kilter look amazing. And then you throw in pops of colour. Yeah, here I and think, there. yeah. Oh, thanks, Neil. That's so nice. 
I think with my background of beauty therapy, I think I am a bit obsessed with skin mm. and, you know, how to make... I always remember when I was working with Linda, she used to say to me, it's all about the skin. You know, mm. You've got to make the skin perfect before you can do anything else. And so, yeah, skin is... It's always skin first for me. I've always, you know, when I trained to be a makeup artist, I was always approaching it as a painter because mm. really... When I went to before I went to art school and was disillusioned by all the tutors <laughs> and the ideas of how to teach, yeah, I really wanted to ha be in overalls and smoke, roll up cigarettes, and have a studio. And I hope one day I will have. Might, yeah. yeah, I hope to have a painting studio hmm. once I can. Maybe my children move out and I can use their bedroom. Something. Hmm. <laughs> but I think that you know that kind of layering of color and texture and hmm. formulas has always been a really important part of makeup application for me. Mm. And the sort of artistic, painterly approach. I would say, yes, it's always about a bit of pop of colour, a little bit of detail, mm. and trying to keep it sort of very relevant to what... You know, it's very pared back mm. beauty now, isn't it? Yeah. It's very pared back, but it's also becoming very glamorous again. Mm. And this is a really exciting time, you mm. know, you, with all the colours and how far makeup has come mm. in its formulation changes. It's a really exciting time, I think. Mm. Mm. Would you say, I think you have, you seem to have quite a healthy balance of celebrity and fashion as well. Yeah. Because people seem to go down more one route than the other, but you seem to have balanced it quite well, I think. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Which I don't think is very easy to do, actually. Mm. Because normally once you go down one route, you sort of get stuck on that route. I think a lot of my work is beauty because mm. of my... I'm a beauty ambassador for Chanel. Yeah. When uh, did that happen, by the way? Oh, I was going to talk about that, but we can drop it in now. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry about mm. your... No, it's all right. Am I upsetting your question? No, not at all. Okay, fine. When I was... I just had Aya mm. and my agent said to me, I know that you're kind of on maternity leave. But could you go into Chanel because they're looking for some new makeup artists to do their celebrities, to do their VIPs for events? And I was like, yeah, I can pop in, no problem. Mm. My daughter was five weeks old. No, she must she must be less, maybe three weeks old. Wow. She's very, very little. And I had to like zip myself into like a temp, <laughs> little temply lace dress and hope, hope for the best. And I went and it was, I was suddenly in an interview and I didn't mm. understand what was going on. They were asking me all these questions and I was like, you know, they all seemed very lovely there. Mm. And I left. They said to me, what are you doing for the rest of the day? And I'd had to leave Aya with my sister-in-law who hadn't had any children by that point. And so I don't know how confident she was in this position that I left her in. Can you just hold the baby? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be back in a bit. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I said, oh, well, I've got to go and collect my daughter. And they said, oh, how's your daughter? I said, she's three weeks old. And they were like, what? <laughs> what? What are you? And they, and so I think I suddenly became someone different in their eyes, you know, mm. somebody that is going to, like you say, is going to continue with my career mm. and have children and, you know, give everything I can to both. Mm. I left and went home and da-da-da, and I was building a relationship with them. And then my agent said, you do know that was for an ambassadorship? And I was like, what? <laughs> My amazing agent, Jade, she's just like, knows exactly when not to tell me things mm. so that I don't sort of slightly terrify myself. And um, yeah, they offered it to me and I was, she must have been, you know, not even one. Mm. 
and um, I've been working with them since then and it's, it's such an amazing brand to work with mm. and they're so lovely mm. and they look after me so nicely and it gives me the opportunity to work a lot with a lot of the beauty editors and so that's more where your celebrity side comes in I guess isn't it yeah, yeah. from all of the talent that I work all of their their mm. talent ambassadors yeah so that's yeah that's definitely changed things for me and enabled me to be do much more beauty which is really exciting as a makeup artist you want to be able to be creative every day mm. and as it were paint something paint a picture every day whatever yeah medium it is so my vips all the talent normally comes through chanel i have a few extra clients that i do as well which is mm. really nice but it's nice to be able to do both yeah rather than just one mm. i suppose the fact that you're doing it for a brand means that it's more contained isn't it in terms mm. of it doesn't have to be your focus of your whole career. No. Because you're doing it for them. And and there isn't really much better brand to do it for, really, in a way, no, is there, to be honest. No, exactly. You know, it's like the pinnacle. It is. Brand. I mean, when I got my contract, because I still couldn't believe it was going to happen, mm. they bi- I remember them biking over my contract, and I was standing in a, wor- in a studio somewhere, and I cannot remember where that was, but I can remember the moment in time and the concrete on the floor and signing it, and a courier came with it, I had to sign it and then send it back. And I cr- I was crying. Mm. And at the moment that I put it back on the courier, obviously the Chanel knew that it had got back onto the courier, and they called me, and they were like, welcome to the family. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is the most moment of my life. Like, and they were like, great, when do I get my Chanel suit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Chanel in the bag. Chanel in the bag. <laughs> and your career goes through me, your children growing up nicely. Let's move on to your brand. Oh, Neil. Tinker Tailor Beauty Lip Care. I know, yes. Which I actually, I've written down because I remember talking about it to you in your in the early stages because you were sort of very nicely, I don't mean this through, but picking my brains a bit because obviously I'd done my brand and whatever. And I remember being so excited for you, partly because this is also, it's a, it's a little bit of a shift in terms of something that a makeup artist would do to do a lip care line. Yes. And I remember that's what I was excited about for you in a way, because I was like, I felt like you tapped into something a little different. Yes. So where did the idea come from? <laughs> well, and were you always, I know you've said you like the idea of doing products, but were you keen to do your own? First of all, the whole thing started when I was pregnant with Aya and I had terribly dry lips and they I'd wake up in the morning they'd be cracked and bleeding sometimes I'd be sort of slightly stuck to my pillow it wasn't it wasn't great and also then having to go on set as a pregnant woman with the disgusting mouth I was like I've got to fix this up so I bought every single lip balm that's ever been made in the entire world Mm. and nothing worked and I was so desperate Neil it was becoming an issue (laughs) And you just felt like everyone's looking at my lips. Everyone's looking at my lips. No one was looking at my lips, obviously. (laughs) All you can think. And I try all these lip balms and lip whatever treatments, and it just made it worse. Mm. So it made my lips swollen, and then I'd go to sleep at night, and then I'd wake up and they'd be even worse and even more bloody. And they were basically cracking, and it was so. I've I've never experienced anything so bad in my life. So Mm. I thought, you know what? I'm going to make something. Did you get to the bottom of what was causing it? or I think it was a lot of perfume, actually, was what it was. And so I started this lifelong obsession with lip balm at this stage. Right. And I started making it at home. My 
background of being a chef certainly helped. <laughs> and that I'd done product development with Charlotte. I'd never worked in skin. I'd only ever done colour. Mm. So I was like, how hard can this be? Mm. And uh, it, I was never making it for anybody else. I was always just making it for me. So it didn't really matter. So I'd make it some up and then it would or wouldn't work. Or I'd add mm. a bit more of this. And I did so much research and... I mean, the whole kitchen was ridiculous. There was more ingredients for lip balm than anything else. Mm. And finally, I found something that worked. And I used it, and it started healing my lips. And I was like, wow, this is really exciting. I feel like I want to shout and scream and tell everyone about it. Mm. And I started making a scrub to go with it. Because in the mornings, my lips would still be dry, but they wouldn't be cracked. So mm. I sort of was making lots of different scrubs. and it it sort of seeped its way into my makeup kit mm. where I'd be on shoots and I'd obviously use it when I was prepping down the girls for the for the, for the makeup. Mm. And I just thought, this is really exciting. And so I started making quite big tubs of it. And then people would be like, oh, can I scrape some out? So then suddenly we had like this big bag in my suitcase that was full of sample pots that we could like doll out mm. the scrub or the balm and... And, and then I decided I was going to make an oil because I was using a facial oil on the lips as a, as a middle part of right. the sequence. Mm. And I had no problem with it. But I was like, it, better, it would be better if it wasn't perfumed, I think. So I'm just mm. going to make one. So I spent a bit of time doing that as well. And lo and behold, people would be like, can I have some of the oil as well? Can I have a bit of this? Can I have some of that? And it would be ridiculous. I'd turn up to shoot some people. I'd be giving out 40 pots. No problems, right. no questions asked. People, mm. you know, people would be, there were people who were coming to me saying, I've been using it on my face. I've got really bad eczema on my face, but so I need you to give me bigger pots. Right. And I'm like, yeah. right. And so people would be coming with pots and saying, could you fill this up? And me, I was thinking, I can, yes, but, and I don't mind doing this, but this is getting ridiculous. And then somebody said, a celebrity on a shoot oversaw this and was like, I think what you're doing is great and I love your product, but I think you need to do something with them now. And I was like, really? Like, mm, like what? I haven't really thought like, about yeah, it. Like, what am I going to do with them? They were like, um, you need to team up with a chemist and mm. make them compliant. And so I did. I teamed up with a chemist and we worked to make them vegan and compliant and uh, as natural as possible. And I did originally want them to be organic, but then as time went on with developing them, one of the new ingredients that we put in is this kapuasu butter, which is a, in the lip balm mm. and it's wild harvested along in the Amazon. So there's no way that it can be classified as being organic because it's literally picked, not harvested. So right. we're working with women's cooperatives. And so it suddenly became this big machine where I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and so at the point where I was making it and, you know, having this conversation, like maybe we should make this compliant. I just went into Liberty and I sort of said, I've got this idea. Can I speak mm. to your beauty buyers? And they were like, yeah, because I was doing a lot of work with them. I was doing all their campaigns okay. and everything. So mm. I had, you know, I, I, so you I had a bit of an in. I had a bit of an in. Mm. I was like, they were so kind and so supportive. And I just said, I've got this idea and it's going to look a bit like this. And these are the products that we're making, but we just need them to be compliant. So this isn't quite the final thing, but you can try them if you want, but it probably won't be just like this. You know, all of this was happening and they, and I was like, and the packaging might be like this, but it could also be a bit like this. And we're going for this, but it might be like, this. I mean, basically I was going, I haven't really got anything, but, yeah, um, but this is what I have. This is what it might be like, but yeah. don't hold me to it. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, great. We'll do it. Yeah. We'd love it. And I was like, wow, okay, cool. And so I was 
okay, now I've got to get this done. How long is it going to take? They said, oh, I don't know, a year. I said, a year to sort it out, I suppose. Mm. They were like, yeah, right. I was like, a year later. I was like, mm, I'm going to need a little bit more time. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that's how it sort of all started. And so mm. whilst we only launched it last October, October 2019, it's been in circulation backstage, uh, fashion shoots, on shows, mm. on red carpet for almost six years now right god six years yeah and so when i came to you i was it was at that point probably where i was like hmm where do i find a chemist yeah you were that's what you said to me how do i find a chemist yeah. and what do i do about packaging yeah. and, and like i was that. at that point where i was like shit i've got to make this happen and yeah. work and i don't really know what i've got it to this mm. point but i don't really know what to do from now as yeah it but it's hard isn't it because like you know like me i mean i wasn't from that background at all in terms of creating products and packaging and things like that. I didn't, I didn't, I knew there were probably packaging fairs, but I didn't realise there was as many as there were. And that you could actually look at a gazillion different packagings for one thing. Do you know what I mean? And being, remember being quite overwhelmed when I went to the first packaging fair in Birmingham at the NEC and just being (laughs) like, oh my God. And I was like, please don't make me go to too many of these. I just, I can't decide now. No, no. And you're like, and then you're kind of like, okay, now I sort of want it to be recyclable, recycled, and you're just like adding all these specs to it. And then, then it starts getting narrowed down. And then you're a bit like, oh, actually, we can't do it like that then because that's not going to be recyclable. Or, but it, it's a whole another world, isn't it? That you have to. Exactly. And immerse yourself in. Yes, it really is. And, and, you know, running alongside of being on set and... Yeah, still and trying you know to do your like. job. Yeah, yeah, and you know exactly what it's like. But it is all of those things, you know, mm. the things that we really wanted it to be and where, how we can make it happen. And, mm. yeah, it's the restrictions that it gets... the possi- What you want to do, your choices get smaller and smaller until it's kind of the decision's made for it's you. It's almost made for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you want to explain for anybody that's listening and doesn't know too much about the product? Tell us a bit about like what's in it. Obviously, I I have an idea because I I was l- luckily given some. Yes. And um and it's funny because I've said to you I don't really put stuff much on my lips because I don't really have a problem. No. And I've never been somebody to put anything on my lips anyway. Which I've read a lot of things and I've talked to you about this before. I remember Zoe that a lot of products that are out there can make your lips drier. Mm. And. Luckily, touch wood, I don't really suffer from, I'm just touching wood there, don't really suffer from dry lips. But at the same time, I think your products are nice because there's three of them and you can do, diff- you can use different ones. It's not just something for the actual dryness all the time, if you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I mean, I don't get dry lips, but sometimes they go a bit flaky, but the scrub's really nice just to get rid of that. But just explain what's in them people that don't know okay so i developed as you know as i explained the three-part lip care sequence Mm. it's a scrub an oil and a balm and they are as i mentioned before they are as natural and they're all vegan and we have a lot of organic ingredients in there Mm. and the idea is, is that it's three parts because your lips it's skincare for lips your lips don't have any sebaceous glands on them they can't produce their own oil you know, it's a very it's a very different skin from the rest of your face. You mm. have between three to five layers on your lips, whereas the rest of your face you have up to sixteen. Right. So it's very delicate area and does need its own 
thing going on. The scrub is a sugar-based scrub, and we're actually just launching, in two weeks' time, we're launching a new scrub, and it's a, I'm going to tell you what it is. In addition to, what's that? We have, so we have a a cinnamon scrub at the moment. We've taken it off the market so that we can put it back on for Christmas. So it's just going to be a Christmas Mm. scrub, because it does feel very Christmassy and delicious. This is a delicious, deep, brown sugar. So it's Mm. like a sort of burnt, caramelly, it's so delicious. So it's a mm. sugar scrub, lots of delicious oils. And the idea is, is that you scrub first. And people, we have so many people messaging me about this, like, how do you do your scrub? Mm. And some people put it on and then go jump in the shower. Some people put it on and then and at the beginning of the day and then do the whole sequence, then put on their lipstick. Mm. I find personally that this three-part lip care sequence when you do, when you prep your lips properly, your lipstick stays on for so much longer. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And mm. that's kind of the same thing. It's like when you prep your skin, it's like when you prep the hair. It's the same yeah. thing, isn't it? It lasts so, longer. Yeah, yeah. If you do things properly. <laughs> yeah. Not half on. <laughs> so this, that's a scrub and it comes in a beautiful glass pot, which is obviously infinitely recyclable. And the lid mm. is aluminium, which is also infinitely recyclable. And we are working at the moment on trying to get a refill service together which i mm. hope we'll be able to do just out of interest so this new one yes is replacing the old one and then the old one's only going to come out christmas is yes that right? right i'm with you you got it yeah so the yeah. new one's going to be more caramelly yeah Ooh, it's delicious my favorite yeah. i'll be eating it <laughs> yeah the kids love it mm. and so then that's the first part of your lip care sequence and the second part is the oil mm. and this is some grapeseed oil and jojoba and chia seed oil and we chose these because they re- absorb really fast, but give that sort of hit of hydration. Mm. Uh, you roll it on, it comes in a, in a glass vial with a glass rollerball. Mm. Again, infinitely recyclable. The lid is plastic, which is recyclable as well. We, that was like really important. All the labels are biodegradable. Mm. Sometimes they biodegrade before you finish the product. <laughs> so we are addressing that at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, these mm-hmm. things happen. Yeah. And then the final part is the balm. And it's a sheer butter and... this kapusu butter Mm. and it's so nice it goes on like butter and it's very very hydrating and you know i person from my personal experience i found it very healing Mm. and protects the lips really well uh from you know cold and the same thing comes in the same pot as the as the scrub and you can buy them as a a kit Mm. or you can buy them as individual products Mm. and the idea is is you do this once a day or twice however much you want to do it this three part and then you oil or balm some people prefer just to oil Mm. throughout the day and some people prefer to balm throughout the day but yeah i mean i use it to prep up the skin and then i use it at the end just to get off any lipstick or whatever Mm. people love it little tinker tailor lip care i do yeah yeah. give them a bit of a scrub down i need to start wearing lipstick now don't i the boys love it it's funny because when we went to Liberty, because of the way that it's, I guess, branded, the boys love it. Mm. And it's very, very gender neutral. And yeah. We were written up in the in the Times for it to be very gender neutral. And yeah, I actually think that's what's really nice about the packaging, because it doesn't feel too feminine, too masculine, or too whatever other gender you want it to be. It just feels very neutral. Yes. And I think that's what makes it appealing to everybody, mm. is that it's kind of, nobody would mind having it sat no. In their bathroom or on the shelf, right? Yeah. So, which is kind of great. And also all the packaging, like, I know the little bag that the kit... The, yes. The little three... Yeah, so if you buy... Yeah, so if you buy the kit 
off online, then you get this beautiful organic cotton bag mm-hmm. with the Tinker Tailor on it. Yeah. And all of the paper is recycled and recyclable, and we're using mm. soy inks and vegan gum for the stickers mm. and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's a very thorough process, and we've been able to do that because we are so starting now. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're already a massive machine and we already have our supply chain in place. Yeah. It's like we can pick and choose. Mm. We're working with our manufacturer and they use very little electricity uh, and have won awards for, you know, how sort of eco and their, how small their footprint is. And, and instead they use a lot of manpower and they use rehabilitating drug addicts who are trying to get back into the workplace and giving them jobs because it can Mm. be quite difficult and so it feels like a very that was a really important aspect of it for me is is that it's not saving the planet isn't just about a single-use plastics of course it is Mm. but also at the same time it's look after the human race as well yeah and i wanted it to feel very circular and for me Mm. to feel very like it's very authentic to me Mm. and that i'm not like oh god i'm doing that but that's okay because it's just that one bit it's like no every element of it i've really thought out yeah yeah which is great where is it sold because i know obviously liberty went in exclusively in the beginning yes and it's sold out yes pretty much straight away yes which is amazing yes it keeps selling out we keep putting it in and it keeps selling out which is amazing you know we've had some great press and amazing support and it's really nice to see it when i did my shows at fashion week all the girls had it in their makeup bags and in their set bags and that was my plan is is that everybody should it should be entitled to be able to use products that are safe yeah. And effective, mm. and I just want everybody to have them in their makeup mm. kit. Because I know on your website, doesn't it? It says lips were always an afterthought. Yes. Which is kind of weird because it's such a prominent part of our faces, especially for women wearing lipstick and things. Always. As well. I think you know, for me, lips are really important because weirdly, when I was little, my sister had, was convinced we were both going to go deaf, <laughs> and so she. I won't ask where that came from. I know she's an unusual one. <laughs> she uh, was convinced, and she taught herself how to sign language and also how to lip read so normally I lip read people and I'm not really listening to them as it were Mm. and so I'm always looking at people's lips and so Mm. you can tell so much from people's lips you can tell how they are you can tell how they feel how their health is you know how their emotional state is you know if they're picking or biting or you can Mm. tell so much from it and it's so overlooked Mm. as just bang on a bit of you know lip balm or whatever yes yeah they deserve a bit more yeah, yeah, they lose have more love, right? They do, yeah. So besides the new scrub, what's next for Tinker Taylor? Or do, you, do you have plans or are there things you can't talk about yet? Or um, I can talk about them, yeah. We are, it will always be a lip care brand and, and a natural lip care brand. Mm. You know, it feels great that I have a brand that my children use and my mother uses. You know, that's that was my plan. We're going to bring out an SPF which mm. we'll be able to, because it's all about layering, you know, it's all skincare for your lips, so it will be layered into your skincare, yeah. skincare routine for your lips. And hopefully we'll be able to bring out some lip tints as well, mm. which would be really exciting. And hopefully some treatments and in the future. It's so formulaic when bringing out a brand. You, mm. You're expected to bring out something every three months. And, yeah. and, and I don't think that that's applicable now in this marketplace. I think that was sort of broken down by the likes of sort mm. of Glossier or you can do anything you want. Mm. The press is still interested and, and you're, and your customer is still really interested. You don't yeah. need to keep drip feeding them. No. Because no. it's better to work off their responses to your products. Mm. And it's been really great. You yeah. know, 
hearing what people are using the products for and I got a message the other day from somebody who said they were using it on the newborn baby, the lip balm, because it had really bad eczema and didn't know what else to trust. But whilst I wouldn't claim that it will fix your eczema, I would say that, you know, it's mm. really wonderful to hear all these things. Yeah. But would that, so when you get something like that, does that make you think, oh, I might look into doing more skincare with it though? I do, yeah. yeah. I really do. And people come to me all the time, can you do this? I love your products. It'd be great if you could do this mm. or you could do that. Or why don't you do this? And I really thought you should do this. And it's like, it's really hard to stay focused and on. Yeah. I just want to do lip care. Mm. because also because there's a big gap yeah because in a way though that would be like a natural way for it to evolve a bit wouldn't it you know with people going I've used it on this and it was great so therefore why don't you do something like that and I suppose it's a nice way for it to evolve rather than because I always think, like you say, that whole, like every product every three months just feels very like old school PR machine thing to me it doesn't feel right anymore I agree with you no I don't think so I think the general public are so smart now god yeah and they know their products they know their ingredients they know how they want it to perform Mm. and they try things and different things for different things they're so experimental Mm. everybody's doing their own thing Mm. I just don't think it's essential you know whether I bring something out this year or next year I I don't think it really matters no keep selling out Mm. I wasn't expecting that Neil no How brilliant though. Oh, it's a great Do you know what? It's nice when there's surprises. Because if you if you start going, oh, this is gonna be a big seller, and then it isn't, it's almost the disappointment yes. is shocking, isn't it? Yes. And I know we had that when I did my brand. There was a couple of products we thought were gonna do better than they did. And and it's it's human nature, it's what happens sometimes. One of our first pieces of press was Annabelle Jones, and she wrote that she'd been using the three-part lip care sequence as as a form of anti-aging for the lips Mm. and that was people really responded to that because Mm. nobody uses anything anti-aging and whilst we don't claim to be anti-aging you know if you're scrubbing your lips you're promoting you know you're um, pushing blood into the area Mm. they will naturally plump up you're hydrating them Mm. the fine lines sort of you know are disappearing to the eye you know that sort of thing Ah. so just quickly besides liberty where else can people buy it what about people who are listening who are not in the uk oh we can you can do it on our website which is tinkertailorbeauty.com right (laughs) taylor with a y t-a-y-l-o-r yes Mm -hmm. tinker taylor and liberty you can also obviously buy online with them we're still in exclusivity at the moment with liberty which has been brilliant actually because it's given Mm. me time to work out how to do it. Yeah. I've never done it before, Neil. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. been quite good, actually. Yeah. 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 It's nice that you've had a bit of time to think about it, though, isn't it, as well? Yes. Well, congratulations. <gasps> Thanks, Neil. It's an amazing thing, and it's a great product for anybody that's listening. I highly recommend it. So that's the serious bit over with. Yes. As always. Now we're going to do my rapid, quick-fire questions. Oh, God. Oh, which shit. Which we always do at the end. I know. Sorry. Nobody is exempt from this. Okay. You can answer with one word, a sentence, or... Elaborate as much okay. as you want. It's up to you. But they're just for fun. Okay. Okay. What's your guilty pleasure? Probably Netflix. <laughs> and I never tell anyone that. Okay. <laughs> oh, actually, I'm going to move one of the questions then. Being as that's your guilty pleasure, do you like to binge watch a TV series or watch a film? I, I'll watch anything. <laughs> I'll actually watch anything. It's like a joke in our household. Mm. My husband hates watching series because I always go off and binge them. Right. Who would you like to play you in a film of your life? Jane Birkin. Ooh. And what about when you're younger? Uh, so obviously Jane Birkin's, <laughs> bless her, yes. getting on a bit now. Yeah. 
Oh, well, you didn't specify. I know, sorry. I should have done. I'm going in her heyday. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, Jane Birkin in her heyday. Okay, fair enough. Favourite food? Baked potatoes. (gasps) Oh, I love baked potatoes. I know. I just rediscovered them at Christmas. Oh, they're the best. I didn't have one for ages. Because you can actually legitimately have a kilo of cheese on them and no one cares. That's such a good thing, yeah. Literally, you <coughs> could have them five nights a week. No, yeah, because no I went to stay with my friend over New Year, and we were where his house is in the countryside. There's not, there's no shops, there's no local shops, and he was, we was deciding what to eat, deliberating, and he went, I've got a couple of big potatoes, and I went, why don't we have baked potatoes? And he went, I haven't had one for years. Anyway, oh. of course, we made them in the oven, came out. I mean, I'm going on about it like I'm obsessed. I had one last night. Did you? Oh, yeah, I love them. I got home too late to make one last night, but I probably would have done. Anyway, yeah, baked so potatoes all round with lashings of cheese. Is it a British thing? I think so. We have an amazing au pair that lives with us, and when I was like, the kids have had baked potatoes tonight, she was like, what is <laughs> what? that? No, I, I think it is a British yeah. thing. I think we, we do. We, we have a lot of them potatoes. Would well, you remember we used to have spudgy-like? <laughs> I mean, which yes. was the baked potato fast food shop, yes. which we used to call Spadulica. <laughs> oh, so fancy. <coughs> I know. Karaoke song of choice. Oh, God, I hate karaoke. Okay, so I can't then. sing. Can't sing. I'm not like you, Neil. Oh, I can't sing with the vo- way my voice is right now. I think now. you could at a push. I sound a bit more like Bonnie Tyler meets Rod Stewart <laughs> right now. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but I don't think I can even get a note out no, right now. Okay, fair I enough. need to be 100% healthy. And I don't have coronavirus, anyone listening. If you could be invisible for a day, what would you do and where would you go? Well, given the coronavirus situation, I'd definitely get on a flight and go to China. <laughs> <laughs> what, to go and see what's going on? I'd like to see what actually is happening there. If I, oh God, I don't know. I don't know what, what, if I could be invisible for a day. People say really kind of good things, don't they? Not always. <laughs> I didn't say that. I might have to delete that bit. <laughs> People have brilliant answers to this question. Right now, I would like to sit in a room with Harvey Weinstein and his solicitors. <laughs> <laughs> if I had the freedom to do any, anything I wanted to do, I would like... Go somewhere else alone with no oh, one okay. else. <laughs> just yeah, just literally, and no one know you were there. Yes. Okay, well, that's a good answer. Yeah. Okay. Catwalk or editorial? Catwalk. Yeah. Yeah. What's your best feature or personality trait? My greatest asset <laughs> is that I can't lie. Right. Uh, but it's also my biggest weakness. Oh, okay. Yes. Mm. Is that because people know when you're lying? Yes, it's mm. terrible. I get all jittery and blush. Right. Okay. <laughs> I'll look out for that yes, next do. time. No, I don't, often, I don't try and lie to you. No. No, <laughs> Meat, vegan or veggie? Veggie. Mm-hmm. What's your daily beauty regime? My daily beauty regime is always looking at the stuff that I've been sent and wishing that I had it on my face already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have, like, I have to be honest, my beauty regime is very basic. I cleanse with this amazing cleanser, seed to skin, that I was really quite afraid of because it was a very oil-based cleanser, but I'm really enjoying it. Mm. Why were you afraid of it? Because it was very oily and I was worried that it was going to clog up my skin, but actually it's been great for my skin and I'm Mm. loving it. The Augustus Baden. Mm. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. That's the best cream. Every makeup artist oh. loves that, don't they? It's because it's so clever. Mm. So it's a stem cell uh, science. And so you put it on your skin and it goes to the parts of your skin that need it. It's very clever, Neil. Mm. I would say it's actually... Do I need it? 
Yeah, you, everyone needs and it. Everyone needs it. Yeah. Mm. So if it's dry or it's oily, it goes. It does different things. It's really wow. intelligent. Yeah. That's clever. Yes. Okay. What chore do you hate doing? I hate cooking now. <laughs> Apart from baked potatoes. I love baked potatoes, but that's easy. It's not cooking. Yeah, just shove it in the oven, right? Yeah. Mm. Probably that. And finally, have you ever done anything illegal that you wish to talk about? <laughs> I'm a really good girl. I have oh, yeah. no criminal record anymore. <laughs> oh. Hope mum and dad aren't listening. <laughs> no, I don't have a criminal record. I've never done anything illegal apart from once when I was really little and I went with my friend Evie Sykes and we went uh, to go and graffiti a wall around the corner from where she lived and I graffitied it with my name and my brother came up and he was like I know you've been graffitiing and I was like how do you know I'd done it with like a marker pen we'd taken from her mum's sewing kit right and I put Zoe and but without the dots of the Mm -hmm. e so how did he know it was me and he was like I can't believe it if you're going to do it don't use your name and I remember feeling so stupid (laughs) that I'd used my name Mm. I couldn't think of anything else to write were you into graffiti then I was just into painting anything. Yeah, I, just... I mean, I was very, I was probably about seven. Mm. And it was like my rebellious days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> rebellious minute and a half. With a marker pen. Yeah. Probably from John Lewis. Oh, that's good. Well, thanks for sharing that with oh, us. Oh, yes. Pleasure. And that's it. Thanks, Zoe. Neil, thank We're you done. so much for having me. It's oh, been so fun. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to In Bed with Neil Moody with my marvellous guest, Zoe Taylor. You can follow Zoe and her career on Instagram at Zoe Taylor Makeup and you can purchase her Tinker Taylor Lip Care at www.tinkertaylorbeauty.com. If you want to get in bed with me again and another of my guests, then you can subscribe to my podcast on all the regular platforms to ensure that you don't miss an episode. There are other episodes, including all of Series 1, already available to listen to straight away. Thanks for listening. Thank you.